1: going to get ready for some fucking shitty weather because it's extremely shitty over here. Uh, But it's not freezing cold, at least. So getting some of that flip flop weather you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I'm back in flip flops. I had a rough, I survived winter. I had a rough three days. (laughs) Actually, I think it was two. Two and a half. Um, So, you know, my my brother occasionally sends me like a screenshot of the weather report, uh, you know, where he's at in South Dakota. And they're getting projected. Last he told me they were projected to get about a foot uh, through the course of today. Ugh, and I was like no oh, thanks. Man, I was thinking about cutting the grass. Um
1: <laughs> No no thank you. All right, welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. We are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with my counterpart, Eric Mulhair, as always. Eric, what's going on, man? Uh do you have a good Christmas uh with the fam, all that?
0: We- we did. It was good. It was, uh, it was nice to get a break last week. As our listeners may know, we kind of doubled up earlier uh, the week before Christmas. So we took last week off. That was good. Good holidays. Good Christmas. Uh, some some good football, even.
1: There was some excellent football. Yeah, I also had a good Christmas. Uh, my wallet's quite a bit lighter, but uh, you know that's yeah. the price of uh, having four children. So breaking news wise, outside of just game results, which we're going to get into, the only breaking
0: news that I, I, I'm not even sure it's breaking anymore. is This guy. (laughs) I I know, I know exactly where you're going with this too, I think. Jim Harbaugh, the saga
1: continues, man. He's in contact with NFL teams, Carolina, um, you know, maybe Denver, you know, I'm going to be at Michigan as long as they'll have me. Well, maybe not. So,
0: yeah, and uh, it's, I mean, it's unclear whether he's, it sounds like teams are reaching out to him and he may just be, you know, politely listening to what they have to say and giving them the, you know, don't call me, I'll call you bit. Um, but I think anyone who kind of observed last February when he did the same song and dance, you know, the idea that he's going to jump to the NFL is not far fetched at all. It was, it, it felt even last year after the Vikings deal like it was a matter of when, not if.
1: I don't know how to put this. Like, what's better, winning 13 games a season at Michigan or going to the Carolina Panthers to get the shit kicked out of you for at a minimum two to three years probably before you even have a chance to be good?
0: Well, I mean, last time he was in the NFL, he went and won 13 games a year. Wow, they're coming along better than I anticipated. Very pleased. Like year one, San Francisco, he went you know, 13 and four and made the NFC Championship game. He... Turning around a struggling program, I think, is harder in the NFL because every rule they have is geared toward, you know, basically parity. And they want, there's no quick turnarounds like like you see with, you know, USC or TCU or LSU. It's, you know, a player acquisition and salary cap and all that really works against you. Well, no.
1: yeah, and they're not going to be able to just hire him right out of the gate anyway. I mean, they've got, uh, I mean, to my knowledge, they haven't interviewed anybody for that job yet. And,
0: you know, you got the Rooney rule
1: that's in, in right. place there. So yeah. they're going to have to bring in several candidates before they make yeah. a decision.
0: It, it's not like they're going to hire him tomorrow and then just no. be done with it. Um, no. But the idea that, you know, and I've read reports that the Broncos have reached out. So I think most people knew this was coming that, you know, he showed interest in going to the NFL a year ago. I mean, he was doing a job interview with the Vikings on National Signing Day. <laughs> so yeah. th- that wasn't just like going through the motions. That wasn't some formality. Like he was there for nine hours at their facilities interviewing. Like he wanted that job. And if they would offered it, he'd have taken it. Um, Indeed, He expected to get it by all accounts. So My, the biggest
1: question that I have with regard to all this, because, it, you know, all the NFL stuff is all speculation. But if he were to leave, <laughs> who the fuck's getting the Michigan job? Like if Harbaugh goes, I mean, there would be a laundry list of candidates in high profile positions. They, I mean, be, they would have
0: a lot of good names to choose from because a lot of people would want that job given exactly. where the program is. Um, they might, I've, I've read speculation that their offensive line coach, uh, Sh- Sharon Moore
1: mm-hmm. would be
0: a candidate. Uh, I actually, I, don't, I, I don't actually read ahead. a theory and I don't know how much I buy this, that, uh, if if Harbaugh jumped to the NFL, that Tom Brady might actually retire and go back to Michigan and coach. And I was like, God. man, that's.
1: Uh, I hope not. I'm so sick of hearing about Tom Brady. Jesus, the guy's like that- six, 64 years old, still playing football.
0: Yeah, that's just it's too big a jump for me that he's gonna. No, yeah, I don't that's see like it. that's going to be his first coaching experience. I think if he did that, it would go a lot like Drew Brees's <laughs> uh, intro to college football coaching went.
1: Yeah, indeed, which was uh, not great. And uh, we're not even going to cover that debacle, but uh, man purdue just got absolutely curb stomped by lsu it was not pretty what was the final 63 to 7
0: it was 60 something to not very much i don't remember the exact score (laughs) it got to a point where i was like okay these guys are just they're firmly zipped up in the body bag moving on (laughs) to uh i think the cotton bowl maybe or whatever else is going on i think i actually shifted to get ready to watch the rose bowl
1: all right. Well, let's go ahead and get into let's get off the hardball nonsense, but uh, we did want to bring that yeah, to Yeah, more to
0: come, and, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll we'll keep an eye on hardball uh, as we always do. And let's get into some bowl recaps. Now, this one, I know you went to bed and you yep. did not stay up for this and you made a huge mistake because Kansas, I know. Arkansas, holy shnikes, man. This yeah. game was an absolute blowout at halftime. You know, it was 31 to I believe 13, this thing is a sleeper. I'm turning it off and I turned it off and then I turned it back on in the fourth quarter as Kansas has ripped off for, you know, 10 points or so in the fourth and they and are has driving the to yeah, tie driving. the game. Yes. And yeah. so tie but- it, it goes to overtime and 55, 53 final Arkansas gets the W barely and whew, man. Jalen Daniels goes for 544 and five TDs. <laughs> Arkansas rushes for 394. Yeah. Uh
0: that unreal. I is this I the highest should've...
1: scoring bowl game ever? It's it, gotta be close. It
0: might be. I would have to look it up. Yeah. God, it's gotta be, man. 108 points. I can't it's I gotta be like top three at the minimum.
1: Well, Kansas scores 18 points in the fourth quarter, comes back. I mean, I was really impressed with that. Arkansas, man, their secondary just completely collapsed in the second half and you know, a lot of problems we saw, but there again, Kansas could not stop KJ Jefferson on the ground. The dude, I mean, he made some unbelievable yeah. runs, man. It's just a really exciting game to watch. It was just crazy. I mean, even in overtime, first play of overtime, he just rips off a 25 yard score. You know, it's like, God, dog, this just back and forth and back and forth. So fantastic finish Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, you know, seven and six finished to the season. We'll see how it goes for them next year. They're losing a lot, you know, but, uh, they do have some guys coming back on the offensive side of the ball. So we'll see what happens to them. And, you know, Hey, Leipold's locked down at, at Kansas. So do they make a bowl game next year off the cuff? Do they make it?
0: I don't see why not. I mean, they, they obviously have the upward trajectory and, you know, the big 12, I don't know that it's getting any stronger, uh, you know, probably not getting any weaker. It, it still it looks to be like it's going to be a very balanced league, but I, I don't see why could Kansas couldn't go win six games next year.
1: Yeah, I believe Jalen Daniels is coming back, so uh, that should be interesting. All right, so let's move on to the next one here real quick. Uh, Oregon and North Carolina. This one is, it was not as high scoring as no. I thought it was going to be, and I did not expect Oregon to have to come from behind and win this game.
0: Uh, no not as two touchdown favorites Uh, yeah
1: no so 28 27 the final there i don't even remember what all we picked for this we'll just uh go over our totals at the end of all these recaps but nothing overly interesting 10 win season for dan lanning in his first year with a bowl win uh really solid and uh i saw they got another big four star today to add to their recruiting class so lanning has got some momentum with uh you know, homebo Knicks next year. I don't know what their schedule looks like, but I think Oregon will be pretty heavy favorites to get to the Pac-12 title at the start of next season. Yeah, I
0: would th- I would think so.
1: Yeah. So, and North Carolina, the ACC is a dumpster fire. And, uh, you know, I would say that no- the days of North Carolina having a shot at the ACC title are probably done uh, uh, i mean even with drake may and all that the, it just the the schedule changes i think if you, you got know where they a real yeah it's gonna be the two the div-
0: two best teams divisions going just, away could hurt yeah. them um yes i think if you've got a quarterback as good as he as i think he can be yeah in that conference you can win a lot of games but there are some other teams in that conference who look like they're on maybe kind of on the up and up hello mike yes. norvell yeah,
1: correct. And uh, Clemson, as always, will be a factor and pff, Clemson. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh Texas Tech, once again, sportsmanship be darned to, you know, to the SEC. Yeah. Yep. Ole Miss just gets the brakes beaten off of them in this game. I mean, it was 26 to seven and a half. It was never close. It just, man, ugh, nice performance, old miss. I mean, Kiffin, I did not see that coming I mean I it, it didn't shock me that the Texas Tech won the game you know because it's a bowl game and that, that those kinds of things happen but the fact that it was just an utter blowout I did not see that coming
0: yeah a good year for them though they were kind of sort of a hidden gem they finished I you believe know, the, you
1: took the over on them, didn't you? Weren't you the only one that took the over on them?
0: I believe so. I would have to look. And I think that, and when we say take the over, I think we're talking like five and a half. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, it was definitely like, four, you know, a low total, but uh, I think you were the only one that took the over. We'll do that. We'll cover that in our
0: post mortems. I, I was the only one who took the over five and a half.
1: Ah, there you go. Yeah. So nice call, man. Yeah. So None Joey us... McGuire,
0: uh, pretty good year one. They finished eight and five. And, Indeed.
1: Yeah. So, and it well, turned uh, out
0: to be a, tough ish conference uh not necessarily a juggernaut but no real horrible teams in there
1: no no not really uh uh-uh. i mean it was one of the deeper conferences out there as far as just results no real tomato cans at the bottom so moving forward then the next one here florida state and oklahoma or, is that the next yep florida state and oklahoma i would like to retract my previous statement and say that i said this was a You know, piss-poor matchup, Yep. and holy shit, man, this turned out to be an absolute barn burner.
0: Yeah, it was a really good game. game. I wasn't expecting (laughs) a great game, and, you know, on one hand, I was like, man, I kind of feel like a jerk now because I was sort of considered myself a Venables guy coming into the season, and the season has not gone how they wanted I really expected Florida State to be able to move the ball on the ground much more than they did. Or that was the best I've seen Oklahoma play the run all year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, man, if they'd have done this like throughout conference play, they wouldn't have been six and six. Uh, no,
1: yeah, it, uh, it it was pretty wild. And Jordan Travis, man, <laughs> the guy just fucking put on a show. Mm-hmm. Those for four eighteen, couple of scores, runs for some more. I mean, the guy was making plays. He looked like a Heisman candidate. For a better yeah. part of that game.
0: Yeah, I think I think Jordan Travis is a name that you're going to see show up on a lot of kind of preseason, maybe towards like the dark horse section or whatever, you know, quote unquote. He's not going to be like a front runner, I don't think, but he has put himself in the position where I think he'll be in the conversation coming into next year, because they are bringing a lot of guys back, both sides of the ball. I expect them, they might finish in the top 10 this season, and I would be shocked if they're not in the preseason top 10 next year. So first time in a while that they're going to have some expectations going into the year. So so we'll see. Things are certainly looking up, but he played very, very well.
1: Indeed. Speaking of expectations, Texas, the number one expectations team in the country uh, every year, Piss poor finish for them to the season. They finish eight and five. And speaking of PAC 12 coaches in their first season mm-hmm. who win double digit games, Kalen DeBoer yep. finishes the season at 11 and two extremely what? impressive.
0: Winners uh, win, <laughs> man. I've been I, screaming I, I, it from the rooftops all year. It, you, you really know, have. I like, give oh, you well, oh yeah. He was them. an A, NAIA coach. Well, look at what he did in NAIA. He lost three games in five seasons and won three yes. national championships. Like, yeah, if you can coach football, you can coach football. But it's just it's it's not any more complicated than that. So Michael Penix Jr. coming back, Pac-12 has looks like it's going to be very interesting next season. And you know, there's not a whole lot of room for Washington in terms of upward mobility when you're talking about 11 and two. But yeah, um, I would expect you know they're going to have uh, their their expectations going to be double digit wins next season again. And they're you know, right there with Oregon as far a, as like championship kind of a, game potential.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's kind of a bummer that like USC and UCLA are leaving just when the Pac 12 is starting to get good. You know, it's like been a dumpster fire for a decade. And now all of a sudden you've got five, six good teams in it and they're right. the all, at, all at once. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of a bummer there. But yeah. uh, Washington wins 27 to 20. You know, no crazy big takeaways from the game. Yours uh, had a decent game through for 369, but Texas uh, without Bijan Robinson, not the same type of team. So not really going to hang Texas out to dry there for
0: that. No. no. And they still, I mean, they still made a pretty big step forward from last season. Yes. Correct. So, and, you know, in terms of what expectations might have been, I get that. Would you say eight and five, right?
1: Eight and five, yes. Yeah,
0: okay, that might be a letdown. I think a lot of people pick them to win the Big Twelve coming into the year, and I understand why, but you know, they're still improved by three wins from, from one season to the next. That's solid progress. Like not, you know, year one to year two. I think that's normally what it looks like as a two to three win jump.
1: Well, we'll see how it goes next year. The expectations will be sky high once again, especially with uh your man Arch Manning uh on campus. <sighs> so uh speaking of coaches that I just absolutely know you hate, uh Pat bowl Narduzzi game. gets a bowl game win. I thought you were gonna say UCLA. coaches you
0: hate and and you know like <laughs> no. Chip Kelly's music. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, yeah, this is like the 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 South end zone most hated coaches bowl. Uh UCLA versus Pittsburgh. Narduzzi gets a win with 16 fourth quarter points there over UCLA. Uh, they both finished nine and four, so overall, given what all Pittsburgh lost in the offseason, I would say pretty decent year for them, you know not not terrible,
0: yeah, I wouldn't have expected them coming in to win nine games this season. I think I took the under on them mm-hmm. under eight and a half, so I didn't think they would get to nine, and I guess in terms of regular season results, that hit, but i was I thought they'd be closer to like five hundred after losing you know Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison. Uh, yeah. all those guys so solid season for them uh not not great by any stretch but they they have nothing to hang their head about
1: yeah and you know, i don't again no major takeaways from that game we'll see who all those teams end up losing via portal and uh draft they haven't really there's still some uh, announcements there yet to be made
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: this next game was an absolute fucking just shit show man notre dame and south carolina did you catch any of this game i was
0: I was in and out on this game because I, I watched the beginning. South Carolina jumps out to, I think they're up like 21-7 seven. Seven and I flipped over yeah. to something else or did did something else and kind of figure, okay, they might, because I thought South Carolina would win handily given uh, the quarterback situations and check back in on it and I think it was tied. I watched it for a bit and kind of kind of a weird game I guess. It was one of those I thought about trying to go because it's, it's right down the road in Jacksonville and ended up not doing it because tickets are not what I consider reasonable. Um, oh yeah, you know. And if I go at that point, it's like, okay, well, I got I got three boys, I got to take with me, and then so my ticket problems quadruple. So I like, okay, well, I'll just watch it on TV instead of you know six rows from the top of the stadium.
1: Yeah, we're too old for that kind of shit, man. Just grill grill some food and turn on the big screen. That's all you can do. But uh, just a wild game, man. Notre Dame fires back with 28 points in the second half. You know They come back. They make it an extremely close game. This game was back and forth the whole game, man. Just touchdown, touchdown. Like, big, explosive, huge plays. Tyler Buckner was, I mean, I don't want to say excellent because 18 for 33 doesn't look all that great, but... When he goes 274 and three TDs, it's like, eh, okay, maybe he was pretty excellent. So I if Notre Dame could just fucking find a quarterback, man, they'd be a top five team. I, I mean, am I wrong?
0: No. And I think when we do um, quarterback carousel transfer portal roundup here in a little while, which I think we're looking at maybe something in February.
1: Uh, yeah. Towards the, you know, right. It'll be somewhere around spring.
0: I, I think. My suspicion is that we we will have a name associated with Notre Dame football that gives us room to believe that they have found a quarterback and they're going to be a very good team next year.
1: <clears throat> Sam Hartman, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Now let's let's talk about the Orange Bowl. A couple of orange teams here: Tennessee and Clemson. I'm just going to ask you straight out: Is Joe Milton going to be the dude at Tennessee next year? Yes. I think so as well. Well, he
0: was the dude last year coming into the season and yes. he he had a mix of injury and ineffectiveness. Correct. And uh, Hooker came in, played really really well, obviously. And given from what we've seen from Joe Milton, uh, particularly in this game, I don't see any reason for them to go, you know, feel like they have to go searching for another quarterback. I think he's going to be the guy and I think he's going to be throwing it all over the field.
1: I would agree. And uh, you know, I know they've got the five star kid coming in on the big NIL deal, and Milton's if he were to get injured, it could be a similar situation where the five star kid takes over and you know, it's the rest is history. But man, I gotta be honest, I don't know that anybody in college football throws a prettier deep ball than Joe Milton.
0: <laughs> yeah, I spent all season watching him Hooker play thinking I don't know that anyone throws a prettier deep ball than Hendon Hooker, and then Joe Milton shows up in the orange bowl and it's like, okay, well uh, maybe my high school basketball nemesis actually has two, the <laughs> yes. the two prettiest. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, throws a pretty good deep ball as well, but yeah. I think I think Hooker and Milton are maybe a step above and uh sec defenses are going to have their hands full next season i'll just say yes
1: i would agree there they will be heavily favored to you know be number two in the conference if not challenged for that number one spot in the east you know it'll be really interesting but uh tennessee gets the win 31 14 clemson even with club nick can't do jack shit on offense we couldn't do diddly poo offensively for the love of god Dabo, i hope you're listening to the show because your offensive staff is a joke. We suck. You need to fire them all and hire some people from outside the program who know how to coach a college offense because no one on your staff does.
0: I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Did you watch this game? It was so weird because they moved the ball.
1: I watched most of it. I'll put it that way. I'm, I watched most of it. The only thing that I took away from it was that Clemson had superior offense athletes yeah uh, on their offense to tennessee's defense but the scheming and the coaching is so bad that they couldn't do shit with it
0: yeah it's just they would get the ball they would move and then yeah the fake field goal i thought was just awful but you miss a couple of kicks you get down in the red zone they threw a pick in the end zone it's like they got past the 30 i think like six times and came away with 10 points out of that unacceptable They just didn't finish drives. It was kind of a clinic on how to piss away a football game.
1: Indeed, it was. I mean, it was a clinic on that. And you know, Will Shipley only carries it seventeen times. I just that drives
0: me nuts. That's driven me nuts all year. If if we ever had Davo winning on the why
1: would why would Klubnik throw the ball fifty four times against a defense who (laughs) we know gives up a lot of plays on the ground.
0: Like I don't know. That, I just That's been my gripe with Cle- well, one of my gripes with Clemson all year is I watch them play and it is it is painfully obvious that Will Shipley is their best football player on offense. Oh yeah. Period. period. And I don't understand why he is not like the the feature guy. If we ever had Dabo on the show, that would be my fr- honestly that would be my first question. Like before we even <laughs> hi how are you how's things, it would be like why is Will Shipley wow. not getting the ball like 40% <laughs> of your snaps? Yes. I don't understand. It it's like leaving a Ferrari parked in the garage.
1: Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's it's crazy. I can't uh put my finger on it really. Uh but uh <sighs> It's Clemson will be really good again next year. You know, I don't, I don't see them slowing down again. They'll, they'll be heavily favored to win double digit games again. You know, yeah, they're not, be- they're
0: not going away. It's just the idea no. of them being a legitimate playoff contender is maybe starting to slip a little bit.
1: I mean, I don't think so. I, the idea of them being a legitimate national title favorite it hinges on get an offensive coordinator that knows how to fucking coach offense. Okay. Like,
0: maybe that's a better way to say it, I guess, because they're still always going to have a chance to go 11 and one and yeah. win the conference and get in the playoff. But for them to be the Clemson, we remember from five seasons ago where yeah. it's like, okay, they're one of the two or maybe three teams to beat. If you want to win a national title, like the road goes through them. They're yeah. not, I don't think they're that team.
1: No, I, I would agree with that. I just, I don't see it. So hopefully they make some changes, man, because it's uh, just it's gotten to the point where, like you say, they are so frustrating to watch on offense. It's just like it's like NC State kind of, you know, where you've got Devin Leary, the super talented kid, and you're just pissing him away, you know. And so I just I get super frustrated watching them. But uh, I don't want to talk about Clemson anymore. I want to move on. So Deal. <clears throat> uh, let's talk about the Sugar Bowl.
0: OK, let's do that instead of the Music City Bowl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the sugar bowl, uh, Alabama, Kansas state. This was, uh, it started out a little bit curious and honestly, yeah. like th- the biggest, mistake that I've made in betting all season, I made during the sugar bowl.
0: Oh, I God, did up, you fall for a live?
1: I looked up the live line on Alabama, Kansas State when it was 10 to nothing. Okay. And the live line was Alabama minus four and a half. And I was like, that's it. I was like, four and a half? I say, like, man, I should totally bet that. And I chickened out and did not bet it. Uh. And Alabama finishes 45 to 20. They win by 25. From the moment that it was 10 0, it was all Alabama the rest of the way. Bryce Young was uh, absolutely phenomenal. It just, it was a complete and utter beatdown. Kansas State clearly outmatched there from a pure just athlete standpoint.
0: Yeah. And it was weird because at, at 10, nothing, the way the game had gone to that point, because you're talking about a quarter, quarter and a half in, it really looked like Kansas state was winning up front, like consistently every play, which I didn't see coming. But if you, you know, if you thought that that was going to carry on through the rest of the game, then, you know, betting Kansas state plus four and a half probably would have been really tempting. Um, It didn't, it turned awfully quickly, uh, (laughs) awfully quickly. They, Alabama just got off to a horrible start, especially offensively.
1: Well, they were, uh, you know, I I think once they got out of the script, you know, they ran the scripted plays Mm -hmm. and it just, it wasn't working out for them. So I think once they got off script and just started calling some shit and, you know, Kansas state, same thing, but in the other direction, once they got off their scripted play, plays and they had to improvise and make adjustments they couldn't do it right and so at that point talent just started to take yeah. over well you and, can only and,
0: adjust so much when you're that outmatched from a physical standpoint i think right that is
1: correct so a uh, great finish to the season for bama there finish 11 and 2 they win 11 games for god i don't even know how many years in a row they've won 11 <laughs> games now uh I believe say, it.
0: they said uh, on the broadcast it was like 12 or 13
1: yeah, since 2010, I believe, is every year they've won 11-plus. So, Saban, just continuing to pump out 11-plus win seasons. And a good finish for Kleiman. Big 12 champs, double-digit win season. Not going to hate on that guy at all. Uh, kind of frustrating from an Alabama fan standpoint to watch us just completely dismantle Kansas State, a team mm-hmm. that
0: beat TCU. Right. You know. Well, split but- with TCU.
1: Yeah, they well, yes, they did split with them, so kind of frustrating from a fan perspective there. But uh, okay, last couple here. Oh, god, oh,
0: geez, USC and Tulane. Yep, did you watch this game? I watched uh, probably two and a half to three quarters worth off and on. Well, I um, didn't
1: get to see it because I was working, but yeah, I was. You
0: want the reader's digest version. Well, before good, I, good thing you're sitting down. Yeah, uh, Lincoln Riley refuses to field a competent defense that can tackle.
1: Yeah, shocking. Absolutely shocking, man. It just uh, so frustrating. Like this game, it, it's us. It's textbook. Lincoln Riley, like don't ever count on that guy to do some shit when it matters. I mean, you can say the bowl games don't matter, whatever, but how many 14 point leads has that guy blown in the last three or four years? It's got to be double digits. I swear to God.
0: Well, I I mean, he hasn't lost double digit games in the last, you know, when, particularly when he was Oklahoma, but they had no business losing that game. I guess is the easiest way to say it. They
1: no, they put up 45 points and they lost to a group of five team. (laughs) Well,
0: they they were up 45 to 30 with four and a half minutes left. In the previous, I think, six seasons, uh, teams that are behind by 15 or more points with less than five minutes to play are 1 and 1,670 something. So 1,600 times a team has been up by 15 or more points with less than five minutes to play. And this was the second time in that six years that a team blew that lead, which... (sighs) I don't I don't know how you put up 45 points and 600 yards and Caleb Williams has the game that he does and still manage you know up, up two touchdowns forget what I said about Dabo this was that the actual master class in pissing a game away it, yes it was just I don't know how he brings the defensive coordinator back.
1: I don't either. It's, it's just a complete and utter defensive debacle. They stink on defense, and they're going to stink next year on defense. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Their defense will suck again next year. I don't no. buy into Lincoln Riley ever fielding a competent defense. I, I'm not going to do it. No, he'll never, he'll it. never
0: win. I mean, he's like one in four, or one in five in bowl games now, bowl slash playoff games, and he'll never win yeah. a national championship uh, doing what he's doing defensively. He just won't.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, so let's get off that disgusting game. USC finishes eleven and three, and Tulane, man, <laughs> twelve and two. Great year, way to go, Green Wave. Uh, definitely gets my vote for the top logo in college football. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Penn State and Utah. This one I don't really want to touch on much because I don't put much stock in it because it was a really close game going into the fourth quarter and Cam Rising got hurt, goes out, and Penn State pours it on in the fourth and wins thirty-five to twenty-one.
0: So yeah, I, I think it might. Uh, I think it was the third quarter he went out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was twenty-one to
0: fourteen. Yeah, they he, they had the ball yeah. down seven doing cam rising things he, he breaks the pocket scrambles gets a first down doesn't slide you know he he tries to get that extra two yards comes up limping a little bit and then you don't see him again uh penn state really really poured it on defensively in terms of pressure on the backup quarterback i mean they got after his ass uh oh, yeah. manny, manny diaz took the gloves all the way off
1: yeah higher of the best defensive hire of the offseason man oh yeah diaz. 100 uh Penn State finishes 11 and two great year for them you know they only lose to Ohio State and Michigan I mean that's a <laughs> they can get over at least one of those humps next year and who knows if is even going to be at Michigan so yeah. I
0: mean they, they beat everyone they were supposed to beat uh almost yeah. every time convincingly I think they had 10 double-digit wins this year oh, right? yeah they and even though Ohio State game was a one score affair going into the fourth quarter it just kind of got away from them yeah. Um, really, really good team. They're going to finish probably somewhere around eighth ish in the country. And I think that's pretty appropriate. That's they're, they're a very good team.
1: Oh uh, yeah, definitely agree. And, uh, it should be really interesting next year with, uh, Drew Aller potentially taking the snaps, you know, you've got, uh, maybe a five-star dude under this under center there. So that should be like Penn state with a five-star QB at the helm could be really dangerous so
0: yeah and you know and i've talked a little trash about sean clifford over this year and last season about how he's just not gonna they're not gonna get where they want to go with him and how he has not in my opinion gotten anybody he was fantastic the other night so uh hats off to him he had he is the penn state career leader in most important passing categories you know categories that matter like yards touchdowns etc so you know who, who knows what his future holds in terms of the nfl but he Went out certainly on a high note, and he played very, very well. Indeed.
1: So, that will close out all our New York Six matchups we're going to talk about. I don't really care about the Music City Bowl. Under. Yeah, under. (laughs) Great great call. Yep, Iowa's defense uh,
0: was 14-0. Yep, indeed.
1: And uh, the last one, you know, Mississippi State on the heels of uh, our – our guy. Our favorite coach, uh, Mike Leach, passing. They win their bowl game. They win the R- ReliQuest Bowl, 19-10 to over Illinois, finished with a 9-1 season. So yep. congrats, to Mississippi State. Yeah, and they cover with 16 points in the fourth quarter. So uh, great job by Mississippi State. Uh, shout out to them, and uh, hopefully we'll see some more of that next year. But we're going to take a quick break and talk about our sponsor, which is DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, now, Eric... Fans, tradition, glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, as we know. And it all comes down to the national title game, which is going to be happening on Monday. So, our go to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, which is one of America's top rated sportsbook apps. Now, Eric, uh, spoiler alert national title game, are we both picking Georgia? Uh,
0: well, I don't know who you're picking. I am.
1: Okay. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. So, Uh, We'll get more into the lines and stuff on the second half of the show. But right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Now, uh, I ran some parlays in the NFL this weekend, and they did not go my way. Did you win any parlays this weekend?
0: <sighs> no, because the Vikings. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's the Vikings, yeah, nice. Just because showing.
0: the Vikings, yeah, just nice um, moving on. Oh, I did not.
1: Geez. Packers, man. Unbelievable. Oh, God. What a beatdown. That game did not go my way.
0: Thought they'd show up. ah uh, Yeah. Terrible.
1: All right. So, but if you want to win some money, then the first thing you've got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That is the Podcast Network acronym. uh New customers bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. So check out our show notes for those details. All right, Eric. So let's get into these semifinal recaps here. Let's. What's the first one you want to talk about? You want to talk about uh, Michigan and TCU first, or do you want to talk about Georgia Ohio State
0: first? I'm yeah, gonna- let's just let's go in the order they happened and talk about the uh, the Fiesta Bowl first.
1: All right, as you well know, I was a little bit perturbed that you know, TCU got in and even though, you know, they were 12 and one and all of that, you know, they lost the big 12 title to Kansas state who I didn't think was a very good team. And then, Alabama thumps Kansas State, which even further cemented that. And I was just pissed off the whole day until the game started.
0: Right. And st- until they started giving Michigan that work.
1: Yes. And it was a complete and utter beatdown all the way through the first half. And Michigan fires back a little bit in the second, but so does TCU. Yeah, they got it 40- to within
0: three, I think, yeah. at one point.
1: 44 points scored in the third quarter of this game. Mm -hmm. It was an absolute track meet. And one thing that did not happen was a lead change. TCU never lost the lead in this game. No, never. So, initial reactions to TCU-Michigan. What were your thoughts, initial, like, just surface level? What would you think about it?
0: Uh, the very first reaction I had was on Michigan's opening drive because I'd spent three weeks listening to and then talking about even on our show about how Michigan should be able to run the ball. You know, that's their identity all over you know they're they're more physical up front. They're bigger up front. You know that's that's who they are. That's what they want to do. Very first play of the game, Donovan Edwards goes fifty something yards, and starting to think, okay, well that was like the easiest fifty yard run you're ever going to see in a football game ever. <laughs> yep. Um, and then. Oh, gosh, probably a minute and a half of gameplay later. Fourth and goal from the two, I see the team that has spent the last the better part of a month talking about, oh, well, they come out in that 3-3-5 and we're just going to smash the ball right at them and run. And they did the same shit last year where they show up to the semifinal game with, you know, run the damn ball shirts because they were the Joe Moore award winners and they were going to, and they got dismantled up front against Georgia. Yeah. So you're thinking, okay, well, they're playing a big 12 team. You know, they're Michigan. What do they do? They run a gimmick trick play, the old Philly special on fourth and goal. And that was where I start to think, what is like.
1: They had to have seen something. They had to have seen something because that's not a play you call unless you like, see something in the defense to where you think maybe that would
0: work. Well, just the idea that you're going to get that far away from run off the tackle, like you've done all season.
1: Yeah. Right. Don't get too cute. We talk about it on this. Yeah. We talk about it on this podcast all the time. Don't get cute on the one yard line. Just stop. Just hand it off.
0: It really felt like they outsmarted them. So they lose like 10 yards on the play. (laughs) Um, Oh man! And I think, you know, without getting too scheme nerd, on on you and the listeners, I think the defense that TCU plays, which is a three-three five, presented a lot more problems for them than they anticipated because their guys in the backside run so well. You know, offenses, particularly run-based offenses, have kind of different rule sets, right? In terms of blocking assignments for a four man front or a three man front. Normally, when you go against a three man front, you have you have four linebackers, right? And one of those guys is effectively a, a defensive end. Split out like way wide. And TCU is not like that. So some of your blocking rules, you're more likely to miss a block because you've got missed assignments because they're lined up, you know, so differently. And then their linebackers are fast, particularly the Mm -hmm. backside guys. So if you're running off the right tackle, the guy who is, you know, lined up on the left side of the defense, basically across from the right tackle behind an end, he can get there. He can beat that guy to the spot. You know, he can get there before the pulling guard. So Michigan didn't run the ball nearly as well as as anybody expected. You take out the one long Edwards run right at the beginning of the game, and they were super mediocre running the ball. Uh, that was my big takeaway is you spent – A month talking about how that's your identity and how, you know, you're this smash mouth team and, and the first chance you got to prove that you ran away from it with some bullshit.
1: Yeah. Well, a couple of takeaways on this game for me (laughs) and uh, those of you who are also NFL people, and maybe I know we've got some listeners in the state of New York if you guys also want to hear some of my other take on this, you could go check out the Vin and Mike podcast, which is a part of our uh-huh. network. I was on there with them yesterday and we talked a little bit about this and also talked about some giants and jets. They're a couple of great dudes. You need uh, go check out their podcast, especially if you're a New York sports fan, they talk about everything, New York sports, basketball, baseball, football. So check that out. But a couple of takeaways for me on Michigan and TCU, the, I'm going to skip to the end of the game first. And what in the name of Zeus's asshole was Jim Harbaugh doing with three minutes left in the game, not calling a timeout? You kidding me? Call timeout, Jim. You just burned two minutes off the clock for absolutely no reason.
0: Yeah. I One of them, I think they, I'm trying to remember how the whole sequence went. I think TCU gained maybe S- six or seven yards on first down. They started think, from
1: their own like 12 yard line and they gained six or seven on first down. And I Or no, they gained like one yard on first down and then six or seven on second okay. down and it's like think third one. I there was one.
0: That, that first instance where you're expecting him to call a timeout and he doesn't. I think it was a down and distance thing where he's like, I think their chances of converting here are too good and I don't want to burn that timeout and not have it on the back end of a first down. The cameras
1: were even panning to his dad. His dad, dad's I know. like, cow, his dad's oh like looking like, are we going to call timeout or we no okay yeah all right, here we go. that
0: was that was super awkward um
1: we talk about master classes like this was a master class and how not to manage a
0: game well i mean not even the last three minutes i mean they made mistakes the whole game and all yeah. game, like even i know a lot of people are kind of up in arms about the the touchdown that was called back you know whether the guy was in or not At one camera angle they showed it looked like he was in uh, the the camera angle from, I guess, behind the offense would maybe be the best way to describe it. It kind of looked like maybe his his left butt cheek was down. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, personally, I would have scored at a touchdown. Yeah, I, thought I, it, I thought it was a touchdown. I was surprised. I wasn't, I wasn't I was mad trying, about it. I was like, okay, whatever. They're on the one freaking yard line, and they got first and goal, and they got four chances to gain a
0: yard, and they cough it up. What yeah. are you going to do? You know, that was my thing is like, I was, uh, yeah, I'm surprised they overturned it because it it wasn't at all conclusive.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And, but okay. So what's the, it's not like it changed possession and not like it put you in third and 15. No, like it gave you first and goal at the half yard line. Yeah. Agree. You immediately. Biff the handoff I was like, okay, well, that's your own fault. I mean, you know, I get that it probably should have been a touchdown, but it shouldn't have been some death sentence where you get zero points out of the deal either. Yeah. agree. You know, two pick sixes. Eh.
1: Though, Well, that's what I was going to say. That's my other takeaway is JJ McCarthy was terrible. Two pick sixes, a couple of more balls that should have been picked. He was not good. And that's not to say that he can't be good next year or moving forward, but he's not there yet. Like, I mean, he got exposed. Though TCU did a lot to stop the run, you know they did devote a lot of resources to stopping Michigan's run game, and mm-hmm. they were clearly missing Blake Corum. I think that was blatantly obvious um, because, like you said, t- you take away that 54-yard run by Edwards, he averaged less than three yards a carry. So right. I think they were missing Corum, but TCU, man, they just, they exposed him in the past. Like they got in his face a little bit. He threw some picks. He just, he did not look good. So when you hand 14 points to the other team, that's yeah, not a good it's, recipe. It's, to it's
0: tough to win. It's tough to win a football game. Uh, even if you think you're the superior team, when you, you gift them 14 points and turn it over on downs at the two and fumble it away inside the one, it's just too many, too many mistakes to overcome.
1: Yeah, agree. So that uh, man just TCU runs for two sixty three as a team. That was, I guess, the most surprising thing to me is yep. that Michigan just got exposed in the trenches. Like TCU bullied them for a good part of the game, just pushed him around that. I just, I, I didn't see that coming, man. Quentin Johnson does his usual thing, a buck 60 and a score. <laughs> I mean, just,
0: yeah, crazy. that guy's uh, on a That guy's unreal. Um, I yeah, didn't few, expect Michigan to be out, outrushed by, you know, 70 yards or whatever it was.
1: Yeah. Me either. So it, uh, man, huge win for TCU. I, I don't know what kind of chances they've got against Georgia i I don't feel great about yeah. it, but yeah I mean it. most
0: people think not great, but it does they could go out and lose by six touchdowns Monday night. it doesn't this is still a just fantastically successful season for Sonny Dykes and TCU
1: oh yeah, no doubt you don't you don't want to take anything away from them and you know the the one blemish on their record is a team that they beat in the regular right. season right At one we point know. loss
0: in overtime.
1: Yeah, and we know it's hard to beat the same team twice in the same season. So, if they're a good team. Yeah, uh, you can beat
0: Vandy twice in the same season, but a 10-win yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, that's a different story.
1: Yeah, the one lone blemish on their record is the Big 12 champ who won, you know, 10 games. So, not terrible, good year for them. We'll see what they do in the Natty. We'll cover that in just a little bit. But let's move over to the other one. So, Ohio State and Georgia. I got to be honest, man, I thought this game was going to be a pretty comfortable victory for Georgia here. And I was actually really surprised and sort of happy that Ohio State did not just show up and get demolished like they have the last two times they've been to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it just in general, it was great to see two really good semifinals. That's never happened before. Yeah. Right. Like three quarters of the semifinal games up to this point have been th- three score games. Like oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
1: the average the average margin of victory is over 21 points.
0: Yeah, it's just the average semifinal game just isn't that compelling. And these two games were fantastic. So yeah. I I didn't listen to our last episode. I know we talked about this game, and I kinda just thinking back on what I said, I kind of felt like I was circling the runway and never really landed the plane as far as what I thought, I kind of felt like, okay, either Georgia's going to win this comfortably or Ohio state's going to sneak one out. I did not expect anything really in between. Like I didn't expect a Georgia win in an Ohio state cover. I kind of <laughs> felt like if it's close, it's because Ohio state is moving the ball in the passing game and just, just putting up enough points to eke one out, but it turned well, out to be a really you know, for a while. And that's kind of what it was looking like.
1: Well, I had two takeaways from this game. The first being that at about two or At least two, I know of, possibly three points during that game where I said Ohio State's going to win.
0: Yeah, I I was probably more like six or seven different points.
1: (laughs) And you know, Brock Bowers does his uh, his his yoga on the sideline, where he's got his hand in bounds and the Mm -hmm. rest of his body is elevated out of bounds, and gets a first down. The guy's just so damn good. He's the best player on earth uh, in college football right now. And I don't think it's uh, particularly close, honestly. But my other major takeaway from this game if you go back and rewind the clock, this game looked a lot like, at least for the first three, you know, two and a half, three quarters, looked a lot like the SEC championship game last year.
0: It did. It, some some blown coverage, uh, some yep. guys just getting beat. Really? And lack of pressure and just, you you only cover Marvin Harrison Jr. for so long.
1: Yeah. And that to me, I'm glad you brought his name up. I think he's the difference in the game. Probably. I think, when, I think when he went down late in the third, I said to myself, I was like, Ohio state is in trouble because I don't think they've got any, anybody else that can just completely take over the secondary. Like this guy has been doing all year long
0: I didn't either, but at the same point, the the play after that that hit in the back of the end zone, mm-hmm. they kicked a field goal to go up fourteen points. Yeah, so it's not like they weren't firmly in the driver's seat already. It's a little different from Jameson Williams getting hurt when it's a three nothing game, yeah, halfway through the second quarter. So I I kind of get it, kind of also don't. I
1: well, speaking of master classes, <laughs> uh, Jim Harbaugh and I said this yesterday on the Venom Mike podcast, Jim Harbaugh needs to take a lesson from Kirby smart on calling timeouts because that timeout that he called prior to the fake punt formation yeah. was, I mean, that saved the game that saved the season that won him the game. I mean, it just, you're going to look back after the season and be like, man, what if he wouldn't have called timeout or where would we be at
0: today? Well, there's a chance that in between converting that fourth down on the fake punt and then being able to run the next play, that, because I believe this is a reviewable uh, Georgia might've been able to challenge that Ohio state had 12 men on the field. Which they did, so but it's not it's pretty apparent that the referees missed it because you know defensively you can have twelve men on the field up until the snap of the ball, particularly if the offense is substituted offensively, you can't have twelve men in the formation at any point, right? So no. if they hadn't called it before the ball was snapped, you have to think that they they just missed it and they weren't going to call it. So unless that play gets challenged, uh, I can only imagine the wasteland that college football Twitter would be had that oh yeah timeout not been called and that play converted and the 12 men on the field penalty missed, it would be ugly.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of controversy out there to, you know, whether or not Kirby actually got the timeout in time, you know, like the, the ref, He couldn't even see him, you know, until right as the ball's getting snapped. And it's like, oh, time out. You know, maybe saw him in his peripheral vision, you know, maybe heard him. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I'm not sure what the kind of what the protocol is. I think I would assume that if he can hear him. Yeah. Then it kind of, it it counts. Right. Right. Uh, He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily need to be in the guy's face making the little hand signal, but, but, (laughs) but yeah, it was, it was awfully close.
1: It was. So big time, uh big time, great call there by Kirby. Uh, he's back to back in the national title game. Good for him. You know, I don't, this is pretty much standard procedure for Georgia. I don't think they're going to be going anywhere anytime soon. But kind of a heartbreaking uh, end of the season for Ohio State. Man, they, you know, they lose the game to Michigan. They get a chance at the Natty, and they, they, I, you know, normally I crush Ryan Day. You, you, you know, I'm not an mm-hmm. Ohio State guy. You uh, predicted them to go 15-0 and 0 this year. So I know you were high on them. Yeah. And I, I don't really have anything bad to say about Ohio State, man. I thought they played their asses off. I, I think they proved that they were a worthy team. Yeah, they,
0: they were the better team on the field for at least three quarters. I would say up to three and a half.
1: Up until Marvin Harrison went down, I do think they were the better team. And I think if he stays healthy, I think they probably end up winning the game personally because I don't think Georgia had anybody that could cover him. They honestly punished. i don't know that anybody has anyone that can cover him
0: no i mean no one's had him anyone who can <laughs> cover him all year but they went three and out their next possession after that yeah. and then they had to settle for a field goal from they were outside the red zone i think they yeah. got into the red zone and maybe got moved back i think there was a sack in there but uh you know field goal and then the missed field goal obviously that that looked bad but if, you know anyone shitting on a college kid for missing a 50 yard field goal however ugly it was just find something better to do with your time like go talk to a wall or cut the grass or something
1: yeah agree last quick note on that game Stetson bennett was absolutely phenomenal in the fourth quarter of that game i think he went 10 for 12 and two scores he ends up finishing with uh, 398 yards passing
0: yeah so- he was he's pretty average for a lot of the game but when they needed him to be good he was excellent
1: Yes, correct. So, big time uh big time year for him again, you know. He could uh, go down as like Georgia quarterback legend, man. Like two national titles for a walk-on QB, pretty crazy. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh so let's move forward and talk about this National Title game. Let's preview it. Okay. So, according to ESPN analytics, Georgia has a 72.9% chance to win. Yes. So, the current Vegas spread, it opened at 12 and a half. I believe it's up to 14 and a half in some books. Depending yeah, on, what it, it varies. Set. It depends
0: on, you know, where you want to go, depends on who you like uh, in terms of the spread. I mean, DraftKings has it at 12 and a half. Yeah. Most books have it at 12 and a half or 13.
1: Yeah. I saw it yesterday and it was a 14 and a half, and the total was at like 60. So yeah,
0: totals at 62 and a half now and I don't you know kind of like the over there because as good as Georgia's defense has been all year I think you know not necessarily that TCU can replicate that but you know they they have some guys who can make some plays and I think they're better up front than they've been given credit for.
1: Yeah, I, my main take for this game, I really just I'll be anxious to see to me it comes down to one thing and it's can TCU run the ball? because i I think if you ask Max Duggan to go and beat Georgia, I don't think he can do it. And that being said, Quentin Johnson is good enough to get open and make mm-hmm. some shit happen. But he's one dude, you know, right. you, you don't have CJ. Stroud back there throwing the rock. You know, you got Max Duggan. So yeah,
0: for Georgia. I, I just, think it's a little bit different. I think they're going to try to get more pressure on Max Duggan than they did against Stroud because, yeah. That's the other. Actually, my big other takeaway is CJ Stroud made more plays with his legs in that game than he has made the entire rest of the season combined.
1: Uh, yeah, his entire career. I mean, yeah, he, he, and
0: we we talked about it in lead up to the game. Was you know the one thing that makes me nervous if I'm an Ohio State fan is they're going to get after him and he doesn't. You know, he hasn't shown that he can move well and escape that and. Well, they didn't really get after him, and when they tried, he did. Yeah, we, uh, they I talked him.
1: about that yesterday with Vin and Mike on their podcast about how Stroud, for the
0: first time in his career, looked right. excellent on the run. Georgia knows going in now with this game that that Max Duggan can do that because he's done it all year. Yes, he he had 95 rushing yards on an 80-yard drive in the Big 12 championship game. Just kind (laughs) of that tells you all you need to know about can he run the football if he needs to. So I think they'll approach it differently. I don't know that he's as good a passer as C.J. Stroud. Maybe closer than people think, but I don't I don't think he is. So they're going to come out with probably a different game plan, and I would expect they'll be a little more aggressive uh, trying to get after him because of that and you might see a big player too. you know something one guy gets picked up uh on the blitz or he he breaks contain and one guy gets beaten coverage or there's a missed assignment on a double team you know with safety over the top or whatever and they hit a big play to johnston certainly could happen i don't think it's going to happen consistently enough for them to put up enough points
1: yeah I would tend to agree there. I mean, if you look at these two teams, just like by the numbers, they're really similar offensively, you know, 41 to 39 points a game. Uh, Total yards is about a 20-yard difference, 474 to 494. You know, yards passing, pretty similar, about 25 yards difference there. Yards rushing is almost dead even. Mm -hmm. But when you switch to the other side of the ball, 25 points a game allowed this year for TCU, 12 for Georgia. Uh, Yards allowed 385 to 292. Uh, rushing yards is the big one, 149 to 77. And so that really is the matchup that I want to see is can TCU get a push in the run game? Because if they can get a push in the run game, man, I feel like they've got a chance to hang with Georgia. Yeah. They don't
0: need to come out and run for 200 yards or 300 yards. No, they just need to run the ball effectively enough to make Georgia respect the fact that they can run the ball.
1: Correct. And, yeah. And get keep- some get some four, five, six yard runs on first down to give yourself second and short. Like that's what I want to see if they can do because if they have to come out and just, you know, drop back and throw it sixty times, then I think they're in deep shit, man. And it could get ugly.
0: Yeah. And, and the same's kind of true for Georgia. I don't think they want Stetson Bennett dropping back forty five times. They they want to run the ball. They got three guys that they want to run the ball with as much as they can. They didn't seem to really try all that hard against Ohio State but no. uh, it'll be interesting to see what they learned from Michigan's miscues in the run game against a three-three-five.
1: Well, and it'll be really interesting to see if TCU's offensive line can do the same thing to Georgia that Ohio State did, and that's make Jalen Carter disappear. Yeah. Because, you know, Jalen Carter was not a factor in that game.
0: <laughs> Not really. I mean, he got doubled almost all the time, and he got yeah. he got tackled uh, his his fair share. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, but he did.
0: They, they did an outstanding job of re- kind of removing him from the equation.
1: Agree, and uh, they did not do an st- outstanding job of removing Brock Bowers from the equation. And that, again, like I always say, that it's one of those two dudes. And so, if they cannot stop Brock Bowers, they're going to lose. I mean, Bowers. I feel, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be the Brock Bowers show. I could uh, maybe I'm wrong, but well, I, could I,
0: be. I, I think a great thing for Georgia is the uh, the receiver came back, um, Mitchell. And yeah, yeah. Having having someone on the outside, right? Because McConkie has been kind of banged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, having someone with his speed on the outside might prevent them from, you know, otherwise you're like, okay, well, I have a safety over this guy and another safety over that guy. And then you're just kind of exposed in the middle of the field in the run game. So, you know, Washington goes out, but if Georgia can get a full game from from A.D. Mitchell, that's going to go a long ways into freeing up some looks in the passing game for other guys.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh, given we are, you know, some betters here and we're going to go off, let, let's use DraftKings sports books totals here. Yep. Uh, so 12 and a half yep. and and a half. What do you got? What are you taking?
0: Uh, I'm taking Georgia minus the 12 and a half and I'm taking the over.
1: Mm. So we are actually dead in even in agreement here. Uh, What's your final score prediction? Give me a score prediction.
0: Uh, I would expect something like 35, 20, well, yeah, 38-ish to 24-8, somewhere in there. I think it'll Mm -hmm. get over, not by a lot. It's not going to be like a 38-35 shootout, but I expect 63 points or more total. But I do think Georgia should probably come out, establish an early lead, and then just ride it out the rest of the game.
1: Hmm. I'm going to go 45 to 24. I'm going to say Georgia puts up 40 a 40 burger on them. I don't think that they are going to screw around early in the game like they did with Ohio State or yeah, with Ohio State and some of the other games we saw them screw around in the first half you know, earlier in the year, be it Mizzou or whoever. I don't see that kind of formula. I think, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I don't have a good feeling about this game. I was pleasantly surprised when TCU, you know, came out and played a great game against Michigan. And I very well could be pleasantly surprised again. But until I see TCU beat or hang with a team like Georgia, I'm just not going to believe it, man. i still think George is just the best of the best, and I I've got them by multiple scores here. Yeah,
0: so. I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I think they do win by multiple scores, but you know, kind of the flip side to that coin is I've been kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop on TCU all year, and I'm yeah. just and they spent all season doing what no one really expected them to do. So,
1: oh yeah, six. What was it? Six come from behind victories this yeah, year. Yeah,
0: it's because sort of the narrative was well, you know, they they were you know kind of fortunate to win a lot of those close games in conference, but you can only win so many of those before it stops being a fluke and becomes a trend. Indeed.
1: Uh, Yeah. And I mean, we talked about it, you know, midseason, we we were riding TCU every week on, you know, on betting and just riding them like a pony until about week eight, you know, when Vegas started figuring it out. So,
0: yeah, because it was the whole, the whole kind of first two thirds of the season. It was like, well, I wouldn't think this will happen, but this is what's been happening. So I'm just silly. I think they
1: they went seven and one against the spread in their first eight games. You know, it was pretty wild. So, uh, I don't know, man, it should be interesting, but, uh, that's really all we've got for the national title game. It's been a fantastic season. Any final thoughts before we close out the final, you know,
0: like, well, yeah, final The word final. It's kind of a bummer that we only have one game left
1: yeah it, it is the final show man so uh you know with actual football to be played so any final thoughts on the season before we close this thing out and recap it and uh, start our postmortems because for our listeners that's what we're gonna do uh we're gonna go through postmortem of every conference after the season we'll go conference by conference in the power five and touch on some others as well mm-hmm. and uh talk about our Vegas overs and unders and which hit which didn't and why and what's looking up uh you know, towards the spring for some of those teams, we're not going to go super deep because obviously we'll preview them before the season. So, yeah,
0: it'll be, it'll be similar to the format for season previews um, Mm -hmm. really centered around what did this team do versus the expectations and why. Yeah. So I am kind of, you know, part of me is looking forward to getting into that, but the other part of me is like, I'd rather talk about games that happened uh, for a little longer than just Mm -hmm. next week. But you know, that'll be uh, probably the whole rest of the month. I think.
1: Yep, it will be. So, all right. Well, yeah, I don't really have any final thoughts other than bring on baseball season, man. Let's go. <laughs> I, just, I hate this part of the year, man, where all I've got to look forward to now, all I got is the NFL playoffs, and those just, we'll see. Yeah, I don't, I got, know. I don't know.
0: I got to do something b- between now and pitchers and catchers reporting.
1: Yeah, I believe that's uh, something about like 45 days away. Yeah, it's around like a there. month
0: and a half. I think it's yeah. the second half of February.
1: Yep, so really uh excited about that but uh you guys can find us on twitter at south end zone pod you can follow me at jason bailey 47 you can follow eric at eric mulhair we will uh, catch you guys next week for the recap of the national title
0: and getting into the off season yeah we need some reader emails gotta get us some questions
1: <laughs> yeah i've got one i got that damn guy he emailed me today so oh, i'm gonna okay, well, include we'll, him we'll, on we'll the get show that next, next
0: week because we're oh, yeah. against yeah. the wall here
1: Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, We'll be back next week. See you guys later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.